like I said, the only way that I can make this work in my head is, is, okay, so here's the buzzers that I'm dealing with. I mentioned this a little bit last week, but they're real buzzers where I have to fight. And, I don't want to insult anybody in saying this, but uh, I, okay, I have to fight this image. I have several times been on TV sets of Christian ministries that feel like this where you're talking to a camera. And, and, and it, it has always felt like, hey, look at that. And you pretend there's a big crowd out there. And I, I can't. So I have to push past that because if I have that going in my head, then I'm going to resist this. I'm not going to have fun. And me having fun is the point of everything, all right? It's about me in the end. Okay. So, no, it, 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 so the reality is we've got you know, six, seven people in this room who are helping set up this thing and the worship team. And that's it. And I'm talking to a TV screen uh, or a, a camera. I've always, here's the weird thing. Talking to a large crowd doesn't bother me much. Talking to a camera makes me really nervous. It just stares at you. It never blinks. And I don't know. It just seems like it, it, I, 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 so I have to kind of pretend like a camera's a person or something. I'm doing all sorts of weird mental tricks in my head here just to, 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 to get through this. But yeah, so I'm working past my buzzers and, and we'll get through this. But this is just, I'm just I, I, in me, I'm not, I'm not trying to conceive it as a church service so much as just a fireside chat sort of thing. And I want to keep it really informal. Um, I'm told that we've got people uh, tuning in here. I want to give a shout out to every folk. You've got some people from St. Paul, I'm told. That's good. But from the Netherlands and France and China and where else? Norway. Um, uh, they, they, a bunch of different countries. So hello, folks from different countries. We love you guys. Glad to have you part of this. And see, this is a time where, when else? Never before have we been able to worship together live time. So this is a new thing. It feels kind of, that feels kind of cool, actually. Hey, I want to say this. Um, uh, we're going to have a Q&A after this message. And so um, if you have questions as I'm going through this, you can text them to 651-321-3030. That's 651-321-3030. And now I really feel like a televangelist. Credit cards accepted. Call now. Put your hands on the television screen. Send in money, whatever. Also, you can get it on YouTube chat. And I have no idea what that is, but I uh, figured that out. So let me start with this. Uh, I was uh, ministering over in Ireland 10, 15 years ago uh, to, to doing this conference. And I got up at 4 or 5 in the morning um, and went for a jog. And I was told that there was a castle, one of these famous castles in Ireland. Oh, Ireland, you know, I'm part Irish, and it's the part I'm most proud of. Yeah, I got my lucky charms. They're magically delicious. So uh, I, well, I, I love Ireland it's, and Scotland. But I was jogging out there. They told me that three, three miles from where we were stationed, there was this castle, one of their f- famous castles. So I jogged out to this castle in the morning. Uh, and I got there, it, the sun hadn't risen yet, but, but it was kind of a, it was a glow in the morning. And they have this glow over there, this is in June, because they're so farther north that there's, it, it takes a long time for the sun to actually break. It's kind of half there, half there. So there's this weird kind of aura over everything. And I'm jogging, and that already is kind of weird. But then I come to this castle, and, and it was kind of down in this ravine and kind of sort of thing, and it, was, it just looked mystical from a distance. But what really made it mystical was that there's this kind of a mist over the whole thing. It was like... Brigadoon or something, some enchanted forest. I, it was, I don't know. It was just so cool. So I run down to this place, and it was walled off because it's a tourist attraction, but for some odd reason, there was an open gate. And so I trolleyed through there because the, the, the trees were so tall, and it was just, with that mist, it was so magical. And so I'm running through this forest, and it was so surrealistic, like, because this, this, this mist was like, like, like eight, nine, maybe ten feet off the ground. So I'm running just under it like a blanket. But it, it went for about another 10, 15 feet, and then it stopped. So it was like this, this, this thick band. And so you could see the trees go into the cloud and then come out of the cloud, but you couldn't see that middle thing. And same thing with the castle. Some of the steeples were sticking out of it, and it was so mystical and magical. And then the sun came out. And for about maybe 10 minutes, it was even more magical because the way the light was reacting to the mist it would like refract in different directions and, and play with the branches and it was just so beautiful i had to just stop running and just take it take it all in and then in a second it disappeared um and i'm told that's how it works over there it, that when the sun pops out it just and and it's gone it's just mist it looks so solid a moment ago in light of that i want to read a bible verse and I want to read it from the actual Bible. Mary, I forgot to bring my Bible up here because I'm not in the habit of bringing my Bible to church. Now, here's another little point. that I, This is a time of change. Everything's changing. Very little feels solid. So it's a time to ask questions like, what else should change? Jump on board with the momentum of this change. You can try to fight it if you want to be miserable for the next 8, 10, 18 months, however long this lasts. Maybe it'll be done in two weeks, but who knows. But uh, uh, you can be miserable about it or 
there's a momentum that comes with change that you can begin to roll with. And, and so I'm asking questions like, I don't know, we're losing a lot of the, um, you know, so many things we used to take for granted. What, 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 else, what other things do we assume that maybe we should like re-examine? Here's one. I am just now asking the question. I, I have for about five years, my primary Bible reading, almost my exclusive Bible reading has been either on my telephone or on my computer. And I'm asking the question, is, it, has, is that right? Because uh, I've noticed that a, something about the sacredness of the Bible seems to be lessened in that. Now, I'm just talking from my experience. I'm not saying that this is an objective reality or whatever. But for me, when the Bible becomes an app on my phone, I start to treat it like an app. I go for it for information or for research or whatever. But I don't interact with it. I don't personally, like, I never do that with anything else on my phone. So it doesn't seem natural to do it with my Bible on the phone. But see, this is, this is God's word, and, and it, it's, it's anointed by God, and God wants us to be in on it and identifying with it and living in the biblical narrative and learning from it and all of that. I don't know. There's something that's lost by treating it like an app. Now, for convenience, we do that in service here. Um, but I'm wondering, and I, I'm not resolved on this. I'm just going to be honest about open questions that I have during this whole time. That's kind of my new resolve for this whole thing. I'm going to be just, blah. I'm going to trust in the power of the cross more than I have before. And, and I have always thought I trusted the power of cross, but I, I, I wonder, am I, how, how much of my own weakness do I try to overcome by my own effort in order to present? Um, and, and so, yeah, so I'm just going to try to be honest as I am. And, and right now I forgot the point that I was making, so that's an honest thing. I'm talking about, uh, yeah, the mist here, how, how, mist, how it just disappeared. L- listen to this Bible verse. So I'm going to be reading from the real Bible, from the actual physical Bible. <laughs> Which requires that you remember where books of the Bible are. That's one advantage of actually reading the actual Bible is you've got to know where things are. With your app, you just, oh, James, just press it in. I don't know. I don't mean to crash. And some people are hearing, oh, that's just another old fogey who's down on technology because maybe, but check it out. Listen to it. Um, here's what James says. He says, now listen to all you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to go to this city or to that city. We're going to spend a year here, and then we're going to carry on business. And we're going to make a lot of money, yada, yada, yada. That's my paraphrase. James says, why? You guys, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. A little mist. It looks so, it looks so solid. It looks like it's right there. And then it just disappears. We're living, it seems to me, in a, in a misty age um, where we get that. It, it, it's not hard to convince people that life is misty because it feels so misty. It feels so ethereal. Or the word that, I think mean, the best word that captures it, it's not a word that's used very often, but it's the word transitory. Everything feels transitory, iffy, like you're skating on, on thin ice. Things that you thought you could rely on just disappear. That cloud looks so thick and so wonderful. Was so, I almost felt like if I could reach up, I could just grab it, but then it just turns out to be thin air. So we always thought, maybe to some degree, you, can't, you count on the economy. You take it for granted. It's going to be there. But then, boom, it just disappears. Or your retirement, you're working for your retirement. You thought it's going to be there. It's, you, know, you plan for it. And in a moment, it, its mistiness can be revealed. I, I was uh, out with the, our dog the other day. Gracie took her out for a walk in about seven, eight blocks from our house. I, I came across this lady who had just stepped out of her little uh, kind of rugged rambler. And, and uh, this African-American lady, and she came out and she had, was, was in her bathrobe, and she had uh, her hair in a towel, and uh, she wasn't messing with nobody. And so I said good morning to her, and, and she spoke to me with kind of that morning smoker's voice that my dad used to always have. Good morning. You know, the first thing in the morning, your voice kind of sounds like this. You smoke, you know, chain smoker all the time. So, so I, I said, how are you doing? She goes, well. And then she told me the story. But how she had, she's 65, she's supposed to retire May 1st. They have a whole party planned for her. She works at a hospital. Uh, she's there, worked there most of her life. She works in a food court. I could tell by the way she described it that it wasn't her favorite ideal job in her life, but it put food on the table. And she said how she managed to put together a little nest egg, you know, over, over time, because she looked forward to the time when she didn't have to work and she could just spend more time with family and friends and, you know, all that kind of stuff. She paid her dues. A couple of years ago, the economy was doing really, really good, and her son uh, came in contact with this guy who was a super good stockbroker and had doubled his money in two years or whatever. So, Mom, here's the way you can retire more comfortably if you just, you, he can double his money in like two or three years, and da da da, and you can show the chart, and it's proof, and the economy was soaring. What's there to doubt? What's there to worry about? And she told me, uh, this was the day after it fell 3,000 points, and she said, I lost everything. I lost everything. And I, I admired her attitude. I mean, she had a sadness there, but it's like, you know, guess who's not retiring now? Uh, and there's a lot of people in that situation. 
You, th- you thought you could count on your job, but all of a sudden it's gone. You thought you could count on schools and, and you, that they would provide breakfast and lunch, but all of a sudden, boom, your kids are home and you've got to provide your own breakfast and lunch. And, and, and that's a new thing. For parents in situations where now you've got to come up with all these things, how are you going to work and how are you going to manage this and take care of the kids and all these things, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, throwing everything up in the air, things you thought you could count on. The airlines, boom, it's, it's, you can't count on that. And, and the Mall of America here in Minnesota, Mall of America, who would have ever thought the Mall of America would shut down? But there it is. It's a ghost town. No, no professional baseball, no professional football, no professional anything. This is crazy. I, I, who could imagine a world like that? You know things are really bad when Las Vegas shuts down, okay? That's, that's man, I, I, I thought this was a joke until I saw Las Vegas shut down. Boom, this is serious. Trillions of dollars are being lost here. Even like the, the freedom to go to church on Sunday morning, who, who, you take that for granted. Of course I can go to church whenever I want to. Of course I can go to visit my loved ones whenever I want to. Of course I can depend on customer service, call and get quick response. Have you tried customer service lately? Most areas, you try, if it has anything to do with toilet paper, forget it. You'll be there for weeks. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's just crazy. Freedom to go shopping, to buy what you... It, it, all that's gone. Stuff we thought was so stable, so solid, stuff we could take for granted, turns out to be missed. And, and with that mistiness becomes a pain. We know that we're meant for eternity, and, and we believers know that, that this eternity is secured out of our relationship with Christ. That doesn't take away all the pain of the mistiness, and a lot of people don't have Christ as their foundation, and this mistiness is very, very painful for them, as they're saying, seeing these things come to an end. A lot of people are very afraid, a lot of people are very, very uh, scared, are sick, and some are dying. What can you count on? So what, here's, a, here, here's a, something different that I'd like to do here. Um, Building on, on, on Delon's idea that, that, or actually the Apostle Paul's idea, Delon just kind of plagiarized it, uh, but, but it's the idea that, that we are one in Christ. We're in Christ Jesus right now, actually, not poetically, metaphysically. We are in Christ Jesus together. And I want us to envision this, okay? So we are a community here. It, this physical separation, if we frame it right, it does not lessen one iota the, the unity that we have in the body of Christ, it, it, the expression of Woodland Hills, Hills Church. In fact, it intensifies it. Because now we have to imagine it. We usually don't do that. So imagine we're all around here. And I would like us to spend a moment praying for all the people that are hurting right now during this season. And a lot of us are hurting. All of us to some degree, I'm sure. Some people in a real severe way. Um, we always say that prayer is like the most powerful thing that we can do. And there's a power in corporate prayer, in group prayer. And so many Bible verses that, that talk about how if, if, if God's people will pray, well, that makes a difference in what comes to pass. And that does not change because there's a pandemic. If anything, it should be the time that we emphasize that all the more. And so I want us to be united in Christ and, and using the power that God has given us in prayer to intercede on behalf of these folks. All right? So just join me as I'm leading us in this prayer and, and envision the fact that you are praying now with, with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other people around the world. And we're specifically praying for these people and ask the Holy Spirit to give you a representation of who you're praying for and how you're supposed to apply this. I'll lead us in this prayer, but the Holy Spirit will apply it in each in, in, in individual ways. So make the choice to enter into this prayer right now. This is real. This makes a difference. This is the kingdom in action. We're sacrificing for the good of others. Abba, Father, we thank you that we are one in Christ, that we're united, that we're together, that physical distance does not at all compromise less than one iota, the, the truth that we're one in Christ. Our hearts are united in this. And we together as your people, uh, under this name of Woodland Hills Church, uh, we are here going to intercede, taking the authority that you've given us to communicate with you and make a difference in this world. And we thank you for that power that you've given us. We thank you for this moment. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to do this, this resource that we have that to, to be able to talk to one another, even though we're physically apart from another. We give you thanks for that, for the health that we have. Whatever health we have, we give you thanks. But Lord, we also are aware that there's so many right now that are in, 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 in dire needs. We pray for those who are sick. First of all, sick who are part of this body. Uh, on behalf of all those who identify with Woodland Hills Church who are sick or, or, or ill, we pray, Lord God, for their healing. We speak the healing of the cross into their life. We, we, we stand on the authority of the cross and rebuke anything in the spiritual realm that is, that is augmenting or causing the, 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 the sickness that is there. And we take the, the authority of God that's given to us on the cross and we say, we say to all those who are afflicted, uh, 
Everything that's not in line with the kingdom of God must leave. We speak healing and health and wholeness. Holy Spirit, breathe your health and wholeness into the lives of those who are ill. And even outside then, beyond the bounds of Woodland Church, we pray for those who are sick and ailing and, and afflicted and suffering. Lord God, to send your spirit, bring relief, bring comfort. Your name, you, you are the comforter. You call that for good reason. Comfort those who are afflicted, Lord God. We pray for those who are on the front lines, for the health care providers and others who have to just keep on working uh, in the midst of, of this, this virus, this polluted environment, Lord God. We pray for their protection. We thank you for their courage. Uh, we pray for their stamina, Lord God. And we pray, Lord God, that, that you give the leaders of our country wisdom on how to best uh, respond to this and, and to help those who are on the ground and provide for those who are on the front lines, sometimes putting their own lives at risk. We pray for them, Lord God. Pray for the leaders of Woodland Hills Church that you give us wisdom on how to navigate this, the, this church in uncertain times with all this turbulent water. For all those, God, who are facing the prospect, wondering where, where, where the next paycheck is going to come from, where the next meal is going to come from, for single parents especially who are just carrying this burden and wondering how to make ends meet and they're feeling very, very afraid, we pray for them, Lord God, that you give them a peace that passes understanding, even as you give them wisdom to know what they can do to move forward and provide for their families. And Father, we, 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 we pray that you'll be turning this to your, to your advantage, to our advantage, to the kingdom advantage. You're an infinitely wise God. Nothing takes you by surprise. You've, you've anticipated this possibility from the foundation of the world and have a plan in place. So Lord, help us to cooperate with that. And, and, and to, to not just survive this, but, Lord God, to thrive in this, to turn it to a kingdom advantage, Lord God. Give us your wisdom. And, Lord, most importantly, because this would negate everything, we bind the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. We bind the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. It has no place among the people of God. It's not part of our inheritance, for you've given us this, uh, not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of self-control. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Help us to stand in that reality, Lord God. And even when in the natural, it seems like we should be just losing, our, just freaking out and, 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 and melting down, Lord, give us that peace that passes understanding as our eyes are stayed upon you. Help us to be the church to be outrageously generous in a time when maybe others are going to try to cling. Help us to be your church and to put on display your beauty in this world of darkness. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, I feel the power of that. It's, it's, that's awesome. See, we don't do that usually on weekend services because there's crowd dynamics on weekend services that you have to pay attention to. And, and it's just in the nature of crowd dynamics. We have, we have short kind of liturgical prayers and things like that, but... But anyways, uh, we, we don't usually do this, but this is a new season. All bets are off. We can do anything we want. We can define things as we want. And I think this is a good thing. It, it forces us to rely on the power of prayer and group prayer in a way that we haven't done before. So that's a good thing. Praise God. Praise God. All right. So here's what I want to share this, this, this morning about from the Word and, and about what's going on here. Um, you know, I just said that, we, that in, in the kingdom, I don't think we should just be waiting this out. We don't know how long this is going to last. Uh, initially they were saying two weeks and then two months and then three months and eight months and now some are saying 18 months and who knows? Who knows? That's probably what's crazy about this. But I don't think we're supposed to like just hunker down and like, oh, we've got to survive this. God's always at work. Amen? Do you agree with that? I can hear you saying amen in the virtual realm. Hallelujah. I, you know, I'm trying to get the church to purchase one of these things where I can just push a button and there'll be laughter when I tell a joke. Ha! <laughs> Everyone's laughing and push another one. There's amening. Man, that'd be, I've always wanted a more amening church. Well, now I could just create it, right? Just, everyone's, I, I, whatever I say, I have a crowd. Hey, that's brilliant. Hallelujah. Fantastic. What a cool insight. Just, oh, come on. Boy, that would push my <laughs> tele-evangelist buttons big time. All right. So it, the Bible tells us that in all things, God's working together for the better for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. In all things. Now, he doesn't say that, that God's causing all things for the better. Uh, I don't believe for a second that God is omnicausal, the cause of all things. God is altogether good and doesn't cause anything evil. But in all things, the all-good God is working to bring about good for those who will cooperate them. Now, he, he, cooperate with them. He'd love to do this with everybody. Sometimes people have said, well, gosh, why is God stingy? He says, you know, all things work together for the, for the better for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. Well, what about everybody else? It's not fair. Well, I submit to you that God would love to do this with everybody. It's just that it's only those people who are called according to his purposes who know that God's always at work in everything, so they're the ones who are cooperating with him to bring about the good. Uh, other folks don't know about it, so they're just going to be hunkering down and being miserable. But our job is to say, okay, how can this be turned to the kingdom advantage? You can get miserable. It's, this is very inconvenient on everybody, more than inconvenient. It is painful. It is just 
And that can make you miserable, but, but, but you know, they have a phrase in the military, and you'll have to excuse, this is a little bit borderline, but it's military, all right? But I have a friend who, who, who served over in Iraq, and he says that when things get really, 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 really super bad, they have this phrase, which they say, embrace the suck. The suction. It's just, embrace it. Not that you affirm it or like it or anything. No, you hate it and fight against it, but, but, but you're going to work with it. This is what it is. This is what's real, so let's go with it. And, 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 and so in the, in the spiritual realm, we got to say, look, there's a lot of change here, a lot of pain here, a lot of things happening here. But you know what? God's at work. We believe God's bigger than any of the pain and any of the trouble that's being caused here. So let's cooperate with God to see how can he turn this to the kingdom's advantage, to our advantage, and to, to his advantage and the advantage of others. Always be having your eyes open. How can God perhaps use this to maybe start a new thing? Think about it like this, maybe. Um, you know, the Bible has this teaching on the Sabbath. We maybe haven't talked about that enough. Uh, and in the Sabbath, in the Old Testament, it was law, but it still remains a principle in the New Testament. And the principle is just, just this. God wants us to have time that we carve out to be human, uh, to be human beings, not human doings. Time to carve out, to remind ourselves that we're not reducible to our works or to our achievements or to those things, that we are created to just be people who are okay being loved by God, loving God, and loving one another uh, as ourselves. Uh, time to just take place to do what we are created to do. That's the Sabbath. It's a time of replenishing and rejuvenation. A lot of people think it's just a time, time off. Oh, you're going to take a sabbatical? But it's not supposed to be a time off. It's a time to re-examine, to be refreshed, to look at new things. And so ask the Holy Spirit be, uh, how you might turn this to, how God might work with you to turn this to your advantage. For some folks, now here's the thing. For folks on the front lines, those healthcare workers and providers and others in certain retail industries and in other professions, this is anything but a Sabbath, all right? Because those people are out there, you know, their job intensified because of this. And, and now they have to carry all their jobs in an infected environment, all right? So uh, our hats, in fact, I think the Italians had the right thing on this. They gave an applause to all their healthcare workers. Can we do that right now? Just like give thanks to all those who are out there putting their necks on the line. Yes, way to go, way to go. Ah, uh, love it. Um, yeah, so, so but, but for the rest of us, for a lot of us, there's, you know, the schedule's upset. There's, there's less pressing things. There's more time available. I, I take my dog out for a walk all the time, and lately I've, I've been seeing the single parents out with their kids because they're going stir-crazy in their house, but at least they're getting out with their kids and, and, and spending time together. Um, be asking the question, how might you use this time to, to forge stronger bonds with your family? Maybe you've never been the kind of dad that gets on the floor and plays with the kids. And why not start now? It's a new beginning. Think of new things. Try new things. Parents, I encourage you to be asking the Spirit to, to, to give you creativity on how to handle this, however long this period is going to be. It's, it's not easy, I know, uh, to, to be locked up with your kids when you're used to having them go away to school and all that. It can, but ask the Spirit to show you how you can maybe make this into a, a, a fun time. I know one parent who is turning this into a boot camp where their kids, their kids are really into sports, and, and so she challenged them, saying, look at, you know, everyone else during this pandemic, they're going to be on the couch watching, you know, television shows and on computers or whatever. But you guys, how about every day we're going to work out, and we're going to get super fast, good shape, so when we come back to school, we're going to be able to be, you know, better than other people. And they're like, yeah, let's do that. So they're, they have an hour workout every day. It's good to have goals that you can shoot for. Be thinking of what kind of goals you might have, whether it's athletic or accomplishing a big puzzle or, or what have you. Uh, uh, I encourage you to, to, to use it as a time for, for building a stronger families. For some, maybe you've never been the one to, to volunteer. And, and this is, if you're not in the target zone, in the, in the, you know, the uh, not safety zone, you're over 65 or whatever they say, and you don't have any preconditions if you're young, think about areas that you can volunteer in. Um, you know, there's a real blood shortage right now. Uh, it's a kingdom thing to give, give blood if you can. Um, volunteer in different, different ways. And of course, you've got to honor the parameters and the rules that are, are given by uh, the governor and whatnot. But look for ways you can volunteer. This is the time when everyone else is going to be kind of cleaning this stuff. Maybe start practicing outrageous generosity. You've maybe never, never done that before. It's a new season. Start thinking new things. Try new things. Maybe you've never been a regular prayer. This is the time to start. Or maybe you never prayed in a different way. You've never tried that. Praying while you walk or whatever. Try out new things. Different spiritual disciplines you can get involved in. Hey, look, at money's tighter now than it was before, and liquor stores are closed, so this is a good time to maybe start thinking about cutting back on your drinking. Maybe there's been a little worm in your head saying, hey, you really should cut back to that anyways. Well, now you've got financial reasons and convenience reasons, so you might want to do that. Same thing with tobacco. Or any other way you've been flushing money down the toilet, right? So this is the time where money's tight. Great time to like, ask the question, Lord, how would you have me be more disciplined about my finances? Just a thought there. And then, you know, there are some who, uh, that I met a lady two days ago who was in this situation where she's just a shut-in. 
and, and she's got loved ones, and, and, and so her needs are met, but she can't be with anybody. And that really is a terrible spot to be in, and my heart goes out to her. And if you find yourself in that situation where you're, you're just alone way more than you want to be alone, and there's a lot of people in that situation here, but for disciples, I encourage you to use the pain of that loneliness to drive you closer to Jesus as your best friend than you've ever been before. Uh, just, just use the pain of that to, and, and, and uh, go into your inner sanctuary that we always talk about. If you're not f- familiar with that term, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, well, actually, the term comes out of church history, but the concept comes out of 2 Corinthians uh, chapters 3 and 4. Uh, the, 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 the inner imagination and, and, and ask the Holy Spirit to just bring you the real Jesus and experience his love and his friendship and his comfort and his companionship in a way that's more profound than maybe that you've, you've, you've ever had before. So just be asking the Holy Spirit, what new things, what new, uh, how can I grow in this period? How can I have my kids grow in this period? You, you, you actually, ironically, this is maybe a time to um, forge relationships with people that you have been estranged from or been kind of distant from. Uh, virtual. So my, my, my two sisters and I, we're going to every week, uh, we have a, a virtual uh, chat. We started this last week. And let's, let's all just kind of, uh, every time at this, every, every week at this time, we're going to just get on there. And now what was interesting is that if you're my age, uh, over 50 or whatever, doing techno- technological relationships are, don't come natural. <laughs> you got to learn how to do it. So our whole conversation with my sisters and me were, was about us trying to find out how to use FaceTime in a three-way. And we always got two people, but then the third one would be bumped out. And then we got those two people, but then the third one would be bumped out. And for 40 minutes, we we're trying to do this, but it was so funny. It was hilarious. It was a great bonding experience because we were so incompetent, and that's kind of a boy trait. Uh, but so it's fun trying, even if you don't know how to do it. But it's time to like, you know, have, make a point to contact people that sometimes are off our radar screen. And then, as I said earlier, this is the time to be experiencing and maybe practicing new spiritual disciplines that um, maybe you have never tried before. Mary, would you be able to get me a napkin or a Kleenex or something like that? Because I'm drinking. So, you know, here's, here's what's funny and how fluid our situation's changing. And you're already telling that, I can tell that. And see, in normal sermons, I work a lot harder to get rid of my ADD than I am right now. Because this is a different time. I know people who come to serenade service just because that's where they get more of my ADD because I censor it out by Sunday. So this is, this is the, the uncensored. No, it's not uncensored. It is censored, just not as much as usual. And one of the things that Mary's worried about is that because there's not people around here, the natural censoring motives that I have that help me delete that are, are not here. And so this is another thing why this is more work, but I'm going to try to be a good boy, Mary. I really am. So... Let me, let me share one uh, spiritual experiences uh, that, or spiritual exercise that I would like us to engage in. If I said spiritual experiences before, I meant spiritual exercises, which sometimes lead to spiritual experiences, but you don't do them for that reason. You do them because they're good in and of themselves. So here's the thing. I found that often in, in, in kingdom significant moments, uh, the thing that is most important to do is the thing that comes least natural to do. The thing that's hardest to do. That's kind of the kingdom, right? The kingdom's always upside down. It's just, it's not what you'd expect. And, and, and so, so like loving your enemies, you know, when, when there's a time when a person is insulting you or attacking you in some way, your impulse is to strike back and to use your cleverness to just decimate them or whatever. But instead you choose to love them and to bless them. That is hard. It goes against your, it's, 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 it goes against our fallen natural instinct. Now it's perfectly aligned with our higher self, our true self in Christ Jesus, but it goes against our fallen instinct. Well, in this time that we're in right now, um, we, of course, notice the bad. We notice the loss. We notice the pain. That's on the forefront. All around us, we're seeing catastrophe. And by the way, let me just say this, uh, that as finite human beings, we are finite and therefore limited. And you need to pay attention to how much catastrophe you can handle in any given day. You don't need to be watching the news 24-7. And, and there's a time where you say, you know, I've had enough for right now. You, you don't need an update every hour. Okay, so have limits on that. We need to be aware of what's going on, but we don't need to be obsessed with what's going on. And as human beings, if we, ha- if we take on more of that, of that stress and, and than, 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 than we're capable of, it can, it can wreak havoc in it. So, so we're aware of the bad. In this time, we're all as bad. And Dilan hit on this as well. Here's a spiritual exercise. comes right out of Scripture, and Dilan referred to it. It, 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 it's found in First Thessalonians, and where's my First Thessalonians? And he says here that in everything, rejoice in all things, in everything, 
Here it is. See, you got to know you know where, where books of the Bible are. If, if you're going to not use an app and you just do it this way, it just takes a lot longer, you know. And but who cares? That's one of the upsides of being in this season is that you can be a little less anal about you know the beginning, any time, or at least the ending time. Is that right, Mary? I, I think I need so much. Sorry, I do love you in the Lord. You know I love you. Rejoice always, Mary. <laughs> Verse First Thessalonians five sixteen. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks. Now, it's important to remember that, that, that he, he's not saying give thanks for everything. Oh, I lost my entire retirement yesterday. Thank you, Jesus. See, the thing is, is in a world where there are free agents, and we around here believe that, that there are free agents, angelic and human, uh, people and angels can do things that interfere with God's will for their life. If I decide to right now go over and bop Mary on the head with this coffee cup, uh, and by the way, I'm drinking this because I don't need to tell you that, do I? But I'm going to tell you anyways. Two weeks ago, we were arguing about whether or not we're going to have coffee in our service. How do you like that? <laughs> How things change. So we don't have coffee. Actually, we, we, I got here and we're serving coffee for the eight people that are here, even though we voted we're not going to serve coffee. That was for 500. So, so uh, give thanks in all things. So if I go and bop Mary on the head with this thing and cause brain damage, um, she, that's me. In a, that's not God's perfect will for her life. That's the opposite of God's perfect will for her life. I, I was using my will for her life to interfere with God's perfect will for her life. So she doesn't need to thank God that I bopped her in the head. No, yeah, she would ask, why did you bop me in the head? And, but, she, but I get the credit for doing that, not God. Right? That's just crucial. So you don't give thanks for all circumstances, but he's saying in all circumstances, give thanks. Uh, there are things to be thankful for regardless of what is going on. And apparently it's God's will for us to notice those things and to be remind, mindful of those things and to give thanks for those things. Uh, there's three reasons for this, I think. Number one, uh, the Bible tells us that every good gift comes from the Father above, uh, the Father of lights, James 1.17, in whom there's no shadow of turning. Every good gift. So everything that we have that's good ultimately comes from the all-good God. And so we should be thankful for everything. We give thanks because God deserves the credit for every good thing we have. It says in John chapter 3 that no one has anything that they did not receive from God. If it's positive, then God gets the credit for it. That's why there's really no room for boasting. You didn't do anything in a pre-existent life to get the talents you have or whatever that you have. It's a gift. It's all giftedness. Now, some people get the image of, of God of being sort of the Santa Claus, and, and they don't like to say that every good gift uh, uh, comes from the Father because then they get, you ask the question, well, then why do I have so many gifts and the kid over there in Haiti has none? And people get this idea that God's this sort of arbitrary Santa Claus who's just blessing people over here in America and not blessing people in Haiti and, and just kind of arbitrarily, you get a gift and I give you the coronavirus. You know, it's, but see, that's not the God that's revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. The God is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ is good all the time and all the time God is good. There's no shadow of turning. He's, he is light. There is no darkness in him. Not one little bit, not one ounce, not one iota, not one hint of evil or malice or anything other than pure love in God. And so God's love, he loves like the rain shines, like the, 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 like the rain falls and the sun shines. Matthew 5, it's unconditional, it's unilateral, it's consistent. God's always showering out his gifts on humanity. But see, we of our own rebellion have been co-opted in this cosmic civil war and our earth now is, is, is a battlefield and there's a strong cloud of spiritual pollution that prevents if you, if you think of those blessings as, as sort of the rays of sun coming down, it prevents the sun breaking through to the earth, at least as much as the, God would like the sun to break through the earth. So we live in a darkened world, darkened by clouds, where many of God's blessings don't get through. Now, for, for reasons that are way too complex for us to ever, ever even imagine or fathom, in the spiritual realm, what's going on up there and all the other variables that's going on, sometimes the blessings get through and sometimes they don't. But when they do, we should give thanks, because if it wasn't for God giving those blessings, it would be all darkness all the time. And to say, God, thank you for giving me this, doesn't mean that God didn't give it to you, give that to the other person. It means that, that it got, I was able to get through to me and not for them for reasons I don't know. And now I, got, now I have to ask the question, well, then what do I do about that? What, what's the responsible way to shepherd these gifts, given that other people don't have, have, have sufficient gifts? That's a, that, that's a different message, that's a different sermon. But God's not to blame for that. 
but give thanks. Whatever you've got. You know, I got a neck that's got some, some aches in it. And, and, and I, it, man, I could get ornery and complain and curmudgeon about that. But you know what? I got a neck and it moves. Look at that. And some people don't have that. So I give thanks for that neck and my back. And I got legs that work and eyes that work and, and a brain that sometimes works. And so whatever you have to give thanks, I encourage us to find that and give thanks for this. God is deserving of this. The second thing is, is, is that it's important to give thanks because we're wired. We are at our best when we give thanks. Um, actually, in the 80s, they started to have this science uh, of happiness. The scientists want to say, what is it that makes people happy? And since we're scientists, we can kind of make a formula out of it and we could make people constantly happy. So they were doing all this research on what makes people happy. And, and they discovered in the 90s that, that the common denominator to, and by far and away, the, the most common denominator that, that happy people had in common was they were grateful. In fact, now it's turned into, they no longer call it the science of happiness. They call it the science of gratitude. And they found that when people practice gratitude, it just makes them happier. Their demeanor improves. They've done a number of studies on this. Uh, there's a book called, there's a number of books that capture the, the scientific edge of this. One is, is by, what's his name? Uh, Emens, Robert Emens. Uh, it's called Thanks, How Practicing Gratitude Can Make You Happy. Thanks. Uh, you might want to check that out. But like they have, have these uh, study groups where they have one group for 20 days will record just random things, whatever they notice. Another group will record things that make them irritated or that they don't like. And another group for 20 days straight recorded just things that they were grateful for. And they found at the end of those 20 days, um, the, the group that just recorded randomly was about the same in terms of their temperament. And they did a lot of control factors and testing before and after or whatever. They were the same. The middle group was a little bit more miserable because they were conditioning themselves to notice what makes them miserable. The other group, or the third group that, that, that wrote down, recorded things that made them happy, that they were grateful for, uh, their happiness had improved. In fact, all their health had improved. Uh, their sex life had improved in certain cases. So there you go, guys. Be thankful. That's the key. Start giving thanks. All right? So um, it, it, it just improves our well-being. And so I encourage us in, in situations where there's so much that would make us miserable, so much that would... Uh, lessen our well-being if we allowed it to be intentional about giving thanks. Uh, I encourage you to start a journal. Now think of it, a journal where you write down every day, just spend 15 minutes. We did this uh, about two years ago, and, and a lot of people reported, just after 20 days of doing this, a, a significant improvement in their overall disposition. Try it. Uh, I'm entirely mine. The, the, the pandemic journal of joy. <laughs> I don't know what I'm telling you. But, but I, I, during this time, I want to be focused on and giving thanks, so I encourage you to be doing the same. So we do it because God deserves it. We do it for our own well-being. And there's a third reason I, I think that, that we're commanded to give thanks in all situations. And it's because I, and this one I only, I, I think I only got this yesterday morning. It just occurred to me. But I don't know if it's possible to love without being grateful. Think about it. Can you love somebody if you're taking them for granted? To love someone, it seems to me, to love someone is to love their giftedness. They are a gift to you. you it's built in the nature of love. I love you because you are a gift. But if you're not appreciating the giftedness of them, then are you, in that moment, loving them? It seems like gratitude is, is, a, is a dimension of love. And so perhaps we're commanded to always be grateful so that we can be better at always being loving. To look at somebody and not take them for granted. I wonder how much... We do that. In fact, I suspect we do it a lot. In this season where, where the mistiness of life, in the mistiness even of our own life, in the mistiness of our loved ones is coming to the fore, maybe this should be the season where we lock it in, that we're going to start looking intentionally with eyes that see people fresh, and we don't take anything for granted. We give thanks for everything about them that blesses and improves our lives. Um, you know, I, there's, no, there's no literature that I know of that captured this better than um, Thornton Wilder... <laughs> Mary, would you know where my Thornton Wilder book is? I, I, I brought it here today. Yeah, like I said, we're, we're going to just kind of be, this is just me talking to you in a room full of eight people, and I'm not going to pretend that that's not what's going on here. I have a book around here. It's over there. Thornton Wilder's Our Town. I'll, I'll talk about, really, or, or, did I bring it up here? Who stole my Our Town? Well, I, okay, I'll tell you the story. Uh, it's around here someplace. I know it. I did bring it. So, Here's the thing, nah, don't worry about it. This play changed my life because in 11th grade, I was a checkout, I was a druggie, all that stuff. And, 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 but we were in social studies talking about this play. We watched a version of it, Our Town. And, and then we were talking about it. And I got into debate with the rest of the class about the meaning of it and whatever. 
And afterwards, Miss King, the teacher of that class, took me aside and said, Greg, you ask philosophical questions. You should be a philosopher. Challenged me to start reading philosophy, and I did, and I haven't stopped since. Just completely changed my, my, my life. So it, it means a whole lot to me. And in this play, Our Town, uh, Emily is a central character, and she dies um, at the age of 12. And she goes to the graveyard where all the spirits of the deceased are, according to this play, hanging out. And they talk about how miserable the living are and other things like that. Um, then um, uh, at one point, Emily wants to go back. And she says, I just want to go back and live one day. And they warn her, saying, you don't want to do that. It is so painful. But she insists. And so she goes back to live one day, and it's her 12th birthday. And um, she's immediately grieved because, you know, her mom comes downstairs, and her dad's there, and they're eating breakfast together, and they're talking, but no one's really talking to each other. They're looking past one another. Uh, they're, not really, they're, they're not making eye contact. They're just kind of going about the drill. They're like on autopilot. And Emily's saying, can't we just look at each other? This moment's going to pass. It goes by so quickly. Can you look at me just for a moment? And they can't. They can't look at her. And so at one point she stops and she turns to the stage manager uh, in this play and she goes, I, I, can't, I can't take it. I, I got I to gotta go back to the realm of the dead. He goes, it goes by so fast. It goes by so fast. And then she says, do the living ever realize what life is while they're alive? Page 100 in Our Town, Thornton Wilders. It's a beautiful, beautiful play. Do they, do they ever realize it? Do they ever really look at one another? I think what Thornton Wilders is getting at here is just this whole thing about having eyes of gratitude when we look at one another. Because we're not always going to be here for each other. You know, we know we live forever. Yes, we know that the kingdom is eternal. But that doesn't lessen the reality of the now. The now is the one thing that's real. We so often look at each other and treat one another with just dead and eyes, taking it for granted. You'll always be there. Yeah, I've seen that beauty before. Oh, that quirkiness, yeah, I've gotten used to that. The cute way that you, I, I don't even notice that anymore. And then pretty soon, there's nothing special about it. To love somebody is to always be noticing the specialness of them, the uniqueness of them, the quirkiness of them, the beauty of them. And that's where the monotony of life can just deaden us down and we stop seeing. Uh, during this season, can we use this as a time to wake up and to really love one another and to look at each other? Uh, reach out to the grandkids, and uh, you don't know how long they're going to be there, how long you're going to be there. And you, you can do it on, on, the, on the Internet. Call them up and just look at them and, and, and appreciate them. And let's, we can't hug each other very much right now, but let's just virtually hug each other, embrace one another, love one another, accept one another. Uh, that is the kingdom. Uh, I don't know how long this is going to go on. It could get, it's going to get worse before it gets better, they say. But you know what? Here's the thing. You... We know in whom, where, where our hope is. Uh, our house is built not on sinking sand, it's on the solid rock. Jesus says, don't, pitch, don't build your house on mist, on sinking sand. No, don't, don't have that your identity. Don't have, no, rather anchor everything in Jesus Christ, the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Let's stand by that, you guys. God bless you. Keep doing the kingdom, and we'll tune in same time next week. Oh, wait a minute. I just remember this. We're having a Q&A because we're doing things a little different now. So I'd like to invite Dan up here. Hey, Dan, come and give Greg a virtual... No, not. Uh, this is Dan Kent. I love this guy. Here you go. You can have that. Thank you. You don't want to, like, touch that. This has been unclean, unclean. <laughs> uh, you know, back in the Old Testament, they had laws where if people did something that defiled them, they had to walk around with their scarlet... You know, some way of saying that I'm, I'm not touchable because I've defiled myself. Well, it's kind of getting like that a little bit these days if... I don't know... You walk out there, and if, if you sneeze in a crowd, everyone's going to look at you. <laughs> yeah, totally. You clear your throat, and everyone's... I went to gas the other day, and we're, there's four people in the store buying stuff, and, but we're all like standing like <laughs> this far apart, like assume that you're, you're unclean. And, That's right. Yeah, uh, it's just a, a weird time. Hi, Shauna. Hi. Hey, so I far as to, I know, I'm clean. I have to say this. I was watching the live stream while you were talking, and there's a lot of people who want to see Mary, so... Uh, Mary, come up here. Come here. Oh. Mary, come on up here. Mary, 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 Mary. Come on up here. This is Mary. I give her grief all the time, and I do it for one reason, because she gives me grief all the time. This is eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Uh, no, the eye, oh, oh, I can't hug you. Sorry. No, she keeps things on track. And, and her and Janice are the women in my life uh, that are, are there to help me. Uh, stay the straight and narrow, and to make my life miserable. Hallelujah. <laughs> to, to grow me spiritually, I meant to say. To deepen my character. So, so people have been uh, sending yeah. questions. They've been sending in questions. And that prayer time that we had in the, in the beginning of your sermon was really powerful. And so we have a couple of questions about okay. prayer. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So it seems pretty evident that God can't protect us 
or the thousands already infected from this virus. What then should we pray for and should we even bother? Yeah, that's good. That's, so you notice when I prayed here, I, I first prayed for it, it led us in a prayer for all the sick in Woodland Hills. Because yeah. I think there's a power in specificity. You can't take responsibility for everything. Uh, and so the more specific your prayer, the better. So I first want to pray specifically for this group, you know, and, and, and to live in like that. And I think it's appropriate, like, even as I was thinking ahead about this prayer, it's like, like where, 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 how do we cast out our authority on this? Like, should we just rebuke the virus? Right. I take authority over this pandemic. <laughs> well, that seems a little bit, it's like a guy at one time in the 80s, this is before the wall, or the, the, before Russia caved, but he was saying, I am rebuking the, the spirit of communism and it's going to fall. And when it fell, he took credit for it. Oh, wow. It's like, well, gosh, it's too bad no one ever thought of that before, dude. I'm so glad you took authority over it. Yeah, there you go. So, so yeah, I, I can't rebuke the whole thing, but I, I'm called to pray for you know, specific people and to trust that that makes a kingdom difference. It doesn't guarantee any outcome, but it's, it's releasing a kingdom influence and all the variables in creation that affect what comes to pass. I think the only thing I would add to that is that uh, the way I think of prayer is I think that prayer is the most effective when you're praying for human hearts Mm -hmm. because that's where there's the most freedom. I don't think the virus has a free will in the sense that it's making decisions about who it's going to affect and who it isn't. It just operates based on the code of the virus. And and so I, I... when I pray, I focus on where do, where do decisions make the biggest impact. And when you look at, that, at the decisions that people are making to close businesses, to keep people at home, that can have an exponential effect on the impact of the virus. Absolutely. And so for me, in my prayer time, I'm praying for people to make wise choices mm. with their employees because that's the best way to attack a, a, something that doesn't have free will that just operates based on how strategic it's, prayer. It's made. Uh, so. uh, that's good. Yeah, I've wondered about what, uh, like, like folks who believe that if you have enough faith, you will be protected. Uh, you know, the kind of name it, claim it. I'm just standing on authority. My Bible says that no weapon fashioned against me can stand, neither me or my children. Well. Okay, so what do they do in a time like this? I, like, are they having church services? I really am curious because that would mean lack of faith, wouldn't it? You know, if you really have faith, you should come here. I don't know. I, I feel for those it's folks. It's interesting. We did That'd actually a... have a question about that. Like, if we are people of faith, why are we not continuing to meet and gather and pray for one another? And are we following law and science or are we following our faith? And, and, and if I thought it was an uh, essential aspect of the faith that we're supposed to Go against science and, and, and act right. like that. I would. If I, <laughs> but but I, I just don't. I, I think that's a wrong conception of faith. Yeah. Uh, that, that trips a lot of people up. Not only during a time of crisis like this, but all throughout life. I mean, Absolutely. if you think that you've got a special protection from God. No, it is good to pray for protection, okay? So pray. Don't stop doing that. And that makes a difference, okay? It releases the kingdom influence. But it, it's not a guarantee because there's other. That, that, that doesn't cancel out all the other variables that affect what comes to pass. So it's a powerful influence. Uh, that, that we should trust in, but it, not trust in the sense that it guarantees everything else. And you know what? Everyone lives like this. You can pray. So I, I don't care how much faith they have. They can claim it, whatever, but I bet they're still sanitizing, washing their hands. Yeah. You wouldn't want, if you really trust God, well then don't even bother washing your hands. The pagans do that. Oh, they worry about those germs and that stuff. No, have faith. I just rebuke it and go on. Yeah. Sanitizer can't do it. The Holy Spirit does. Hallelujah. I'm not clean. Yeah. No, so I, that's just a misconception of faith. And I, I think of the the... the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years and think of all the things that they had to change to accommodate their circumstances and and I look at I look at what we're doing to stream this and how many people have been engaging this yes, sermon online absolutely. and just how when you were telling to uh, when we were celebrating healthcare workers mm-hmm. how many people were doing the little clap emojis oh, yeah. it was the coolest <laughs> thing and so it. and I look at that accommodation that's that's the kingdom of God. It's, yeah. it's in the accommodation to the circumstance, not necessarily the routine that we must rely on, we must meet all together. That's not the spirit of God. The spirit of right. God is the spirit that, that helps us accommodate to the evil in the world and to still be the kingdom of God. Somehow, some way, I think if we're really work, working with God, this is going to come off for the better. Yeah. Uh, and I don't have to be able to specify how. I'm just trusting that it will. Yeah. Uh, what you were saying toward the end of your sermon about gratitude was really great. And uh, we have a question that ties into prayer and that gratitude piece saying, um, can you talk a little bit more about how prayers of gratitude in times of hardship can be a form of spiritual warfare? Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a, it, it certainly is. Anytime you're bucking up against the spiritual realm, it's spiritual warfare. But uh, gratitude as a, as a weapon of spiritual warfare, I, I, you know, I, 
That'd be a great book, man. Yeah. <laughs> just, just think your way into the kingdom. Yeah. You know, we're going to go into battle with, you know, even in the Old Testament, God had to accommodate a lot of their kind of barbaric views on stuff. But, but uh, even there, at least at times, they got the idea that we're going to go into battle praising God, yeah. you know, and thanking him ahead of time. And, and um, so, yeah, I, I think that, that definitely is spiritual warfare. I, I want to add this, that this doesn't mean, and this is, I think, all of a sudden it strikes me as very, very important. doesn't mean that you become a Pollyanna Christian, where you're always going to be looking at the bright side of life, and by golly, there's a silver lining in every cloud. And so when everyone says, oh, I'm so grieved because blah, 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 yeah. they say, well, you know, at least this, at least the bird didn't pluck your eyes out. All right. you know, there's always something. Well, you know, we should be saying, reminding ourselves to be grateful, but there's a time and a season and sometimes it's inappropriate to tell somebody, hey, right. you ought to just be grateful because at right. least you have yeah. a... Don't, yeah, no, no. If you ever have to say at least, uh, yeah. you'd be yeah. very careful about that. Yeah. I agree with that. And, and it's like, as Christians, I think we're called to comfort the distressed. We're called to comfort people who are victims of spiritual warfare. And so we have to take those realities seriously. Yes, yes. And we have to mourn Absolutely. with people when it's time to mourn. Yeah. Uh, but I think the gratitude piece is important because... Uh, the grieving and the complaining and the distress and the anxiety, that comes so easily. It does. I mean, that just happens naturally. We don't have to plan to do that. That just happens. Whereas right. the gratitude, even though there really are these really sucky things that we need to embrace, man, there's a lot of good still too. And, and we have to maintain the practice of, of uh, reminding ourselves of those good yep. things. Otherwise, our spirit... Um, it can suck you down, man. It can just suck you down, right? Uh, There's it, 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 yep. an undertow, and it yeah. can suck you in. I, I, I see, especially as people get older, I, you know, they can become curmudgeons and yeah. complaining and griping <laughs> and whatever. And, and, man, you don't... That, that is an enemy victory. To spoil the human spirit is an enemy victory. So to refuse to be spoiled by the, the troubles of the That's world right. is, is a kingdom victory. And I think uh, from a spiritual warfare perspective, you look at this virus, and you, you said it in the sermon too, you know that it's of the devil because it causes people to isolate and to separate. Absolutely. And, and we have a natural tendency to surround ourselves with people that we like and to avoid people that we don't like. Well, this just amplifies the avoidance of people that we don't like. And gratitude is such a great antidote to that because... I can look at people that I don't like and I can find things that I'm grateful for for them. And that is that is a spiritual retaliation against, uh, I think, uh, a, a power of Satan, which is to try to separate us and to keep us apart. And I think gratitude plays a pivotal role in that. So. And, and at the very least, we, we feed off each other too well. <laughs> we can take one question and go hour with it. But... but um, what was I going to say now? You, get, you shouldn't have got me off. At the very least, gratitude. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, never mind. Go to the next question I, I had. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it, it's, no, look, at, even if there's everything in the world to be down about, you always have this one truth to be thankful for, and that is that your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. Somehow, some way, it works out. God wins in the end. Love's going to conquer all in the end. And, and, and so if nothing else, that is something you should be always there as a constant giving thanks for that. This does not have the last word. That does. I'm grateful. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so uh, along those lines, what is your best advice on how to talk to unbelievers about this situation? I don't feel like I know how to even broach the subject of hope in the midst of this craziness without sounding like a lunatic. Mm-hmm. That's a Dan question. He, 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 <laughs> That's yeah. a Dan question. Yeah, that, you're in the mental health area, yeah. so go ahead. You. Well, the first thing I would say about it is this situation is no different than regular life yeah. for that question because even if we don't have this virus, um, there is a certain meaninglessness and a futility in everything that we do outside of God. If there is no God, if there is no being who meant this, then there's no meant to be about any of this. And if there's no meant to be about any of this, then there's no meaning to any of this. And, and even as, no matter how successful you are, that. <laughs> no matter how successful you are in this system, if it's not meant to be, then there's no meaning to it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's meaningless. And so whether there's a virus or not, that's a question that people have to wrestle with anyway. The virus, I think, just kind of shows how sucky the reality can be. And because, and you know, we have all sorts of tactics and ways that we can comfort ourselves in the misery and the suffering of the world. And sometimes those tactics and those tools that we use to comfort ourselves get taken away mm-hmm. and, and, and we're exposed to the world the way it really is. And that's, that's an opportunity to talk about reality the way it really is. And it's, yeah. you can't look at reality and say that's crazy or a lunatic thing. Look at how meaningless all this stuff is. It's, it's pretty obvious. To say that, no, 
know all of this stuff is meaningful and it's and it's it's uh, um, it, it's some it's something more solid than what it is. It's not missed. That's what's lunatic. Right. That's what I think is. Unfortunately, crazy. though, see, and here's where. The, the classical theology of the church is utterly unequipped to effectively handle things like this in ways that are even that, that are plausible to modern people. I mean, Martin Luther, when a plague would strike, he would say, "Well, this is the wrath of God coming on people," and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and and in the Middle Ages, they had an easier time accepting that than people today do. All right. And, and but the theology of the church is basically. God is somehow mysteriously behind all of this, and it's all for the better. And that's what they give as the word of comfort. And increasingly, people in Western culture are going, no, thank you. No, thank you. I think we've got a theology that if I can show people that this isn't a God thing, no, this world is under a canopy of demonic stuff. Now, a lot of people have trouble accepting that's a different issue about the reality of the demonic, but but that God's not to blame for this. I think that's the, the major thing. Yeah, I think you need to hit that home because you talked about that last week, but we're still having questions come in and to say and I think it's that they're hearing be a theme it. Throughout this they're whole... hearing it. That this yeah. is God's judgment on right. us. Uh. Well, and, and you see, we we usually think about the problem of evil fairly abstractly, and in the West we think about it as something that other people struggle with until it hits us, and now we have got things. But but on the whole. Modern technology has done such a great job of sort of creating this illusion of solidity, you know, yep. pushing the mistiness of life at, at bay. And, and, and it's only been like in the last hundred years that we've been able to keep things like pandemics pretty much at bay, right. uh, though we obviously can't do it with, with, with certainty. But this, this little morph bug, this little virus that just kind of evolved a little bit, uh, just, that little, it just shows the mistiness of it all, the, the, the illusion of it all, uh, which then I think is... is uh, it creates in people, they're, they're more aware of uh, the problem of evil existentially than they usually are. And, and so this is, I, I, we'll be talking about this, I think, throughout this series. Because for some people, it's dropping in a slot like, my gosh, evil is a real reality in this right. world. Right. You know, right. and, and it just, for whatever reason, never hit them that hard before. Right. Hmm. It is a reality. Yep. But and that can be a good God thing. punishing us. Right. But, but just the realization of the evil of the world, I think, can be a good thing for some people to step them toward God, I think. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, to the degree that you're optimistic about the world solving its problems on its own, to that degree you're not, you don't feel the pressure to trust in a, a that's source right. that's beyond yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amen. So we have a, uh, several healthcare workers, apparently, that have been watching oh, us. Awesome. We love you guys. So yeah. appreciative of yeah. you. Um, this particular healthcare worker says that they are thankful to have a job during these uncertain times, but... Um, I am also living with a great fear that comes along with my position. I live with and care for my elderly father. I am not afraid of becoming ill myself, but I have an almost paralyzing fear of bringing home the illness to my father or another family member. Mm. How do I carry on with my daily routine without being crippled by this fear? Well, I, you know, being one of that, it, it, it hits us all in different ways where... I don't have an OCD bone in my body, but even I, my wife has a little bit of an OCD bone in her body, and so she's compulsive about making sure when we come in, you gotta, you gotta, you know, do the sanitizer thing. And 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 uh, she came in the other day. I have to say this. I probably wouldn't if it, if there's people here. I probably would. But uh, let's see how this goes. Uh, but I, you know, she came in the other. It's just funny. She came in the other day and she goes, "I gotta sanitize." I was out exposing myself. And I said, "Thank God you didn't get arrested." <laughs> The idea of being exposed means something totally different in a pandemic. <laughs> My wife was out exposing herself. So yeah, but yeah. So but then, so I was out with the dog uh, and and uh, trying to be mindful, not touching my face, or whatever. But then I, I realized that this whole time I've been uh, handling the leash, which which sometimes. I mean, who knows the germs are on that? I was not paying any attention to that. And I don't know. I just always wear that. I was not being safe and I'd gone in my mouth and I probably have it right now. And that can get you, it can drive you crazy. We need to be cautious. But, but man, if you have any OCD tendencies, this can drive you kind of crazy. Uh, We can't, we can't harness that. And so with this lady, I'd say on the one hand, ask God to give you wisdom and, and protection. Certainly pray for that. Mm. Um, uh, at the same time, you can only do so much, and there's no way you can control every microscopic thing that, you know, these things are they're so contagious. Yeah. And if, if I hope this doesn't happen, but God forbid, if, the, if, if your, was it the, your father, 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 father. got this, um, that, that, that's not your fault, that right. you have to give her to that. Yeah. You, you, yeah. There's no way you can do it enough to guarantee that that would not happen. Yeah. There's folks who are in the mask and have all that on and who still get it. Yeah. And we, we don't know how, but they still get it. So yeah. you can't 
there's a lot of reasons why one person gets it and another person doesn't, and it's all arbitrary, and you can't blame yourself yep. if you're taking the regular precautions. I, uh, while we're on the healthcare uh, topic, I do want to say this too. One of the thing that I've, one thing that I've been really conscientious of during this is just how spiritual warfare. Uh, happens in all parts of the body of Christ. And like right now with this pandemic, I think of scientists and healthcare workers and doctors. Those people are on the front lines of, if this pandemic, if this virus is of the enemy, which I think it is, of it is. it's satanic, then you're on the front lines of spiritual warfare. You're fighting back against uh, dark spiritual forces that are affecting the entire kingdom of God and the entire creation. And, and a lot of times I think people get into the routine of doing their work and working in their hospital and going through the, the protocol that they're supposed to go through and they, they miss out on that spiritual component. And uh, so I would encourage you if you are a healthcare worker and if, especially if you're a believer to just recognize that you really are on the front lines of Absolutely. spiritual warfare in doing these things. That's good. And what you're doing is very, very important. That's good. And I am grateful for it. So. We all are. Yes, amen to that. Um, we got in a lot of questions, but we do have to pay attention to our time. So we're going to ask Why? one more. It's the pandemic season. <laughs> we don't, yeah, come on. That's, well, that's old school thinking there. <laughs> However, people want to eat lunch. Okay, so. I know. We want, we want our people's time. Okay. Um, so one more question, and just, um, just from a loving place, how can we help people? Um, what would you say to those who question um, helping those with mental issues right now? Because mm-hmm. anxieties are ramped up really high. And it's, it's difficult, and so we've got a lot of people who are wondering mm-hmm. about helping those whose anxieties are high, their own anxieties, and again, that fear piece coming into play. Absolutely. Well, so, Dan, you, you, you've worked mm-hmm. in a mental yeah. hospital for... 20 years. 20 yeah. years, okay. Yeah, so. anxiety, depression, um, obsessive-compulsive stuff, addiction right now can be a really big um, thing. People are jonesing. Uh, yeah, so definitely the first thing is, is uh, you have a, a body of believers who are just looking for ways that they can serve and to help. And we can't do that if you don't make your needs known. So the first thing is, if you're struggling with any type of of mental illness, depression, anxiety, if you feel uh, cravings for something that you're addicted to, now is the time to make those those issues known to to the body of believers. Uh, The second thing is, all of those things are are, uh, amplified by isolation. And unfortunately, that's what we need to do now. We need to isolate. And so any way that you can reach out to uh, your loved ones, if you're experiencing anxiety, depression, or any of those things, reach out to your loved ones, um, whether it's through Zoom uh, or, or whatever, telephone, or write a letter. I mean, writing letters can be a really uh, intimate way of communicating with people, and I encourage you to consider that. If you don't struggle with those things, but you have family members who do, man, uh, just keep it in your mind. I know, that, I know that everybody wants to find a way that they can help, and a lot of times we go to things like bringing food to people who are isolated, and, but boy, having, I'm sure you have people in your family who struggle with mental illness, uh, reach out to them by phone, talk to them. I think it does a world of good if they can have some type of connection and, and be heard uh, to how they're experiencing this, this pandemic. So. You know, uh, that's all just bam, just fantastic. Uh, the only thing I'll add to that is that um, it can be a part of every believer's experience. Uh, and you can encourage people in this way. People with anxiety have a tough time entering into this, but offer it to them and... and that there, it's like when, there's a, when you're a little kid and the world is falling apart, um, maybe you're, let's say, you're a little kid in London in 1944 and you're being bombed. Hmm. Uh, and so you go downstairs and your mother holds you and says, it's going to be all right, it's going to be all right. Because um, that's what you, you need to hear as, as a child. And she's hoping that will be the case. Uh, we need to understand that we are held in the arms of Abba Father. Amen. Uh, Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Mother, and we're embraced, and, and we are given the words, uh, it's going to be all right. It's going to be more than worth it. It's incomparably going to be more than worth it. And whereas uh, an earthly mother or father could just say those words with a hope, our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Mother, uh, says those words with total confidence because it's absolutely true. And, and we need to hear those words as much as when we were little kids. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. We don't need to know how. We can't put it together. I can't. But I do know that in the end, it's going to be, Paul says, the sufferings of this present age, including this pandemic, can't be compared to the glory which God has in store for those who love him. However you can cash in on that, to get in on that in your inner sanctum and to experience that, the better off you're going to be, whether you have mental issues or not. Amen. 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 He is the way maker.
Oh, hey, you know, how about if I, can I close in just a word of prayer? I would love that. Are there any other final words we're supposed to give in terms of... Just a couple about some online resources we have for everyone. Okay. Go so ahead. do you want to do that? All right. Um, so yes, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, just last week, you guys, this is how quickly things are changing. We were here and we were encouraging people to gather together and discuss the sermon. And now it's like, do not do that. <laughs> Stay home and stay safe, but we don't want you to be alone during this time. And so, yes, we're bringing these live streams to you, and it's been uh, amazing to see all the people involved. But we also have some resources online. Uh, We have the sermon guide online that you can read through and go a little deeper. Uh, And there's some personal reflection questions that you can go through and meditate upon and pray about and to help you. Around here at Woodland Hills, we have what we call growth groups. And those are groups that get together to discuss the sermons. And we call them growth groups because we feel like it's important to always be growing in our faith with the Lord. And we do that with one another. So we're going to provide to you our growth group questions that the groups discuss online as well. Now, many people are having to figure out different ways to get together, Google Hangouts or Facebook or FaceTime or whatever, texting, just anything you can do to have some sort of interaction. FaceTime, it's really hard to figure out, but once you get it, I hear it's really good. It's not as hard as Craig is making it sound, but um, that's great that you tried. I think that's amazing. Next week, we're going to get it for sure, for sure. Awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, just there are a variety of ways that you you can continue to stay connected and grow deeper and not be isolated and alone and, and just reach out to others. So we hope that you will do that. And we are so thankful for you and we are praying for you fervently. And keep the whole church in prayer. Um, we don't know what it's going to look like when this is all done. It, we, we, we'll get through this, but uh, some churches will make it. Some churches won't. I mean, it's just going to, and some, some will thrive and so, some will die. Uh, keep the church in prayer. I believe it could be a time for us to thrive. Yeah. Uh, I might have just a sense about it. This, this service here, frankly, uh, I, I'm impressed with how this turned out. I mean, this yeah. felt more natural than I thought it would. Last week was, was weirder than this week. So maybe we'll eventually get kind of weird, get, get used to this. But yeah, this felt kind of good. I, I, I think. Let's do it again next week. Let's do it again next week. Uh, Father, thanks for this time that we've had together. I pray that it's been useful to the kingdom and it continues to bear fruit as we go into the future. Uh, as we prayed earlier, God, calm hearts. Uh, we cast out fear. We pray your spirit of peace would abide in us. Give wisdom to all who need wisdom as we go forward on this. Uh, you will triumph. We trust in that more than anything else. We stake all of our claims on your resurrection. You have overcome. We stand in that victory as we go forward in this war zone world in which we live. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said in their own way, in their own place. Amen. amen. All right, amen. God bless you guys. See you next week. Same yeah. time, same station.